Zara Ali. And I'm Carlisle Forrester. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Yeah. Two, Two girls, girls, one guy. Let's do it. I'm a comic too. I'm around a bunch of other motherfuckers. (laughs) What are you saying about comics? (laughs) We're not all ugly. (laughs) There's very few hot comic guys. Right. They're all like, they all feel like that even if they're really sexy looking, they look like they like wipe a booger on the wall next to their bed. That's so true. Yeah. And I'm kind of like skeeved out. What are you skeeved out about, Danny? I'm skeeved out about dudes that wipe boogers. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, stop wiping boogers. Why you got to wipe boogers in the bathroom? Yeah, well, where where are they supposed to wipe boogers? On a tissue, like everybody else. Tissue. Come on. What's wrong with you? <laughs> okay, this is a good way to start, actually. What? Uh, who are the hot guy comics? Wait. You said there's a bunch of hot. They guy they don't comics. even know. They don't even know who we're talking to right now. They don't even know the amazing king of Mean Girls. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this amazing um, I'm like it's me Daniel Franzese I'll just oh say it it's ah! me drum roll it's oh. me okay oh. Danny Danny Dan- Fr- okay you told me Franzese. no say it you told me a trick Franzese. to say it yeah. Franzese, Franzese. Yeah. like like I don't have my own air conditioner I have to use my Franzese you, you have to use your Franzese cute. Yeah. that's cute that's good uh, RuPaul yeah. made it up I did a show called uh-huh. RuPaul Drives, like where I, like RuPaul drives me around in her Volvo, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, and they were it was supposed to be like need a lift, and RuPaul like kind of helps you with problem. I'm like I don't got no problems that RuPaul can help me with. <laughs> yeah. I was like I don't know why. I'm like but I want to drive around with RuPaul. Yeah. So I got in the car and RuPaul's like I'm American and I can't say your name, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like trying to describe it to her and she was just like oh I get it. It's like. I don't have my own air conditioner. I need my friend's AC. And I'm like, RuPaul's a friggin' genius. Yes. Help me with every friend's AC. Every single host of every comedy show ever needs to hear gets to hear that gig. And they still fuck it up. Yeah. I just fuck Sometimes. It up. Friends AC. It's so easy though. It is. It actually means the French guys, which is really funny. Like the lineage of my family is that they were Italian guys who went to France to pursue sculpting. And then came back and they're like, oh the French guys over here. Like, <laughs> so it's French basically like that is my family crest. So are you it. are you mostly Italian? Have you done the I am Ancestry.com? Oh, okay, yeah, I've done Ancestry.com. I'm 88% Italian. Okay. And then I am 1% Chinese, and the rest is Middle Eastern. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Wait, but I think how it's did all, that 1% get in there? I don't know, but it makes total sense to me. My sister looks like she's Chinese. She yeah. does look like she has Asian in her. That 1% She gets asked all the strong, time. Huh? Yeah, and my grandmother, when, um, when she was old and she would wear, like, Especially when she was like in the wheelchair in the end, in the old, end days uh-huh. in New York and Brooklyn, she would wear like the fur, like hooded, like winter coat, and she looked like yeah. Eskimo. Oh yeah. So it like totally makes sense. She mm. looked like a little old Asian lady. So did you grow up uh, on the East Coast, Brooklyn? I'm I lived in Brooklyn until seven. Oh, that doesn't count. I know, you know, but in New York, <laughs> but then I, see, this was annoying. It's like in New York, everyone's like, "Oh, you're a Floridian." I moved to Florida because that's what you do when you leave Brooklyn, right? But like, you go to Staten Island, Jersey, or Fort Lauderdale, you know? Yeah. Like, so I moved to Diet Brooklyn in Fort Lauderdale, and my parents, Diet Brooklyn, yeah, my Diet pa- Brooklyn. My parents, all their friends that surrounded us were all transplanted new yorkers so I, I still grew up kind of new york yeah and then i spent my summers either in there or cape cod so wow oh so you summered in cape cod i summered okay. in gravesend brooklyn bensonhurst where the piss smells hot and fresh in the <laughs> summer 
Why Cape Cod? Is there still family up there? Yeah, my aunt was there. Um, so that was cool. Oh. Um, so I, that was like my the bougie, and I would be there. I would like totally a fish out of water. I thought it was like an eighties movie when I'd go there. I've been listening to the country music and like oh, wearing yeah? Tevas, and I'm like, what is this planet? <laughs> wearing the, Tevas. The kid from yeah, the it was South. my first experience and- with true white people. Yeah. yeah. Well, because in Fort Lauderdale, but I mean, there's a mix of like white people and yeah, there's white Cuban people, but Americans like everybody cool and- in my school was Cuban or mm-hmm. like uh, maybe white a little bit, but like Cuban or black. In my um, in uh, Brooklyn, everybody was Italian. Like mm-hmm. Italian was king. And then I moved out there, and everybody's like, "What?" I'm like, "What the hell's going on?" Like I was the, one of three Italians in like a class of 900. Right. But didn't that make you more popular because you stuck out? Eh, it was also fat and queer, so I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know about Aww. that. No, it's true. Back then, it wasn't that wasn't you, the jam. So you it wasn't knew. Cool. I was popular in the sense that everyone knew who I was, and yeah. maybe I was like likable, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like I had a lot of friends. Like I didn't really understand the mechanics of high school. I didn't have like an older person to like show me around. Yeah, everyone would be like. Uh, you you weren't at the party this weekend, and I was like I wasn't invited, and I, I didn't realize nobody was invited. You'd right. hear about it and just go. <laughs> and then you totally, just go. I can totally relate because I never get invited to parties. But nobody invites you people. Know? You just hear about it. If you hear about it, you can go. But like I don't hear about it. I don't know. That's a whole other issue with you. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, but so when did you start getting invited, or when did you start hearing about the to, parties? I don't know. Like I got on. Well, when I was a <laughs> junior, and we're really going this far back. When I was a junior in high school, all the seniors were, were cool to me. But then, like when they graduated, I was miserable. I was like, "Get me out of here," you know. And then I went to college where. I thought I was different and cool because I was like drama club president in high school. That's what I'm saying. You had to have Yeah, totally. Oh, oh my God. I knew all the musicals. I was the only one. I would teach everyone about the new musicals. Uh-huh. Then I get to college and I went to Florida School of the Arts and everybody was drama club president that I went to school with. And then I was like, oh. now what is my identity? And I had to dig deeper, you know? Mm-hmm. So what was your identity in college then? I was a ladies man. Of course you were. I was. Okay. Wait, what? I know. It's crazy. But earlier when you were a kid, people knew you as queer? No, but I still was. You right, know, I right. Just awkward, queer, even like if so not. Do you think in college you were like? In college, I was like, I'm gonna reinvent myself, like, cause you know you can go and like do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I was like, people don't have this preconceived notion of me. Mm-hmm. And in Florida School of the Arts or in theater school anyway, like the cool thing was to be talented. It wasn't. It didn't matter what you looked like. It didn't matter where you came from or anything else. If you were gifted. Then, you know, so I used my talent to sort of like, you know, get pussy, Lord pull, the pull women in some in. talent. <laughs> all right. <laughs> like, okay. It's true. And, but I had this, my freshman year, I was all over the place. It was mm-hmm. not the case. But then over summer session, this girl was like, um, I was like, why am I not, like, why can't I get laid? Like, why do girls like me? Like, what's going on? And I had like a heart to heart with her. And she was like, well, do you want to know the truth? She's like, do you remember when you met me? And I was like, no. She was like, well, you came up to me in the hallway and you were like, Christy. And I went to this, her friend Christy mm-hmm. and I picked her up and I walked, like spun around in a circle. And then I went to her and I go, what's your name again? And she's like, Lydia. And I picked her up and I spun around in a circle. And she goes, and I thought, what a great friend to have. She's like, but Ooh. if me and Christy were sitting in like a cafe and we were, and you walked up and you, and you handed her a rose and you were like, Christy, I think you're very beautiful. I'd like to go to dinner with you. She's like, even if I wasn't attracted to you, I'd be like, what a guy to potentially be with. Oh, she's like you need to treat everyone okay. so she kind of coached me she wrote a monologue for me she made me do a romantic monologue and a romantic song at talent review in the beginning of the year and she's like when orientation happens dip out she's like don't say hi to nobody and then like 
when do you have a class that you have with all the freshmen? I was like, yeah, like it's like stagecraft or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, wait, like behind a tree and like right when the bell rings, then walk in. And she's like, don't go to any of the parties for the first two weeks. She gave me like all these rules and I did them and every girl in school wanted me. It was crazy. Wow. And I didn't know what to do with it because spoiler alert, I was gay. <laughs> like, wait, so how many of these girls did you actually date in college? I didn't like date anybody, uh-huh. but I definitely like hooked up. I thought you were going to say the girl that gave you the advice ended up being your girlfriend. No, no. Did you ever have an actual relationship with any of the girls? Um, I had girls that I loved, but I always tried to love, like, the impossible. I was always a lover. Mm -hmm. Tried to love, like, the impossible girl. Do you know, like, the one that I couldn't, that couldn't, that wouldn't, it was a virgin still, or, like, you know, had an, it was already in a relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. I always found a roadblock to sort of, like, and then my love for her, my unrequited love for her was the reason that I couldn't, like, go with any other girl. Yeah. That was, like, my cover. It wasn't until later that I was, like, in my 20s, and I was a bouncer in New York City, and this girl asked me out, and I went out with her, and I was literally, like, hanging out after the date in, like, Union Square, and, like, we were, like, chilling, and I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody's watching anymore. Like, right. I don't, I'm not even enjoying myself. Like, you weren't attracted I'm to I'm like, I like men. You know, and I came home yeah. to my roommates. And at the time, I was like, bi curious or whatever I was getting mm-hmm. label I was giving myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I'm gay. And he's like, I know you sleep with men. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. But like, I'm really gay. He's like, I know you've had boyfriends. I'm like, no, no, no. no. But like, I'm like fully gay. He's like, dude, I know. Shut up. The TV's on. Like, it was like not big for anybody. No, but, but had you had sex with a man at that point? Yeah, I did a little bit. I mean, this guy in college like kind of wooed me. Oh. He like kind of he he macked on me. He was mm-hmm. like, he was like, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people think I'm gay just because I like to make out with guys, but I just think it's like <laughs> an extension of like that'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> it was like an extension of chivalry, and I was like, uh huh, uh-huh. I totally believe you, and I'll totally make out with you. And then oh once I God. kissed a guy, it was like. Boom. Oh, yeah, it was like when uh, Tom and Jerry like put, get in the electric socket. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just like, this is so it. It's electric. This is what it's about. Like, every movie made sense. I was like, now I get Kevin Arnold. Like, Kevin I was, Arnold. yeah, I was like, in a, I understood what it's all about. Like, you know, once How I smooched fun the dude, yeah. To discover that. How old were you? Probably 20. Well, in college? Yeah. yeah. Like, probably 20. And then, like, 24 so, before I, like, finally was, like, just dudes. Like, I'm done. Yeah. So it took you – so from 20 to 24, you were, like, okay, you were still kind of fighting it. Oh, totally fighting it. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, I'm going to get into the whole thing. But, like, I went to conversion therapy and everything. Oh, my God. So did, did on my you own say that? What will. happens you, to those places? I've yeah. always wondered. It's weird. This wasn't, like, the electric shock one, like, that Mike Pence might, like, have done, you know. This <laughs> like, <laughs> It was like a little different. This was like um, wait, you took yourself to conversion well, therapy. Well, I had a th- I had a, like this is after college. Everything I guess we're still around that age, like maybe twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. I was like, I had a girlfriend. I was working in a restaurant as a singing waiter. Oh, okay. can we get gayer? Can we get gayer? Okay. Can we get gayer? Are you seeing a pattern were, here? Are you what a were your favorite? Like, what were your top three songs that you would? I used to sing, sing. "Let Be a Lady" and change some of the lyrics to be food related. I'd be like, <laughs> and blow on some other guy's rice, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so straight and masculine of I course know. yeah and this girl was like the expediter at the restaurant and we went on a date we went on two dates and she was like i'm so proud of myself that we didn't fuck and i was like what like i was like oh, i wasn't used to like girls being like that like straight up you know and her her best friend worked at the restaurant and she was like we didn't even fuck like i'm really happy and proud of myself she's like the first time i didn't fuck on a first date and i'm like i'm dating like this girl that's like so dts <laughs> 
that it like made me so nervous. I wasn't used to that. In college, all the girls kind of gave me the runaround a little bit and right. boys like fully going. You had to spit that game. I had to spit the game. Mm-hmm. And then this girl was just like DTF from the get-go, you mm-hmm. know? And then I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my grandma that I need Viagra. Like, I'm going to say that I have erectile dysfunction, have my poppy. You were going to go this I was gonna, far. This poppy far. is your I grandfather. I thought it all the way. My, okay. my nan and my poppy. I went to okay. my, I said, I was going to tell Poppy my, is what he called intercourse. He was yeah. going to have poppy. <laughs> you needed to poppy prepare. Poppy that coochie. No. Okay. <laughs> no, so I tried to trick so my went, grandparents into You went like, to your nana and told her you needed Vi- Viagra? Loki, yeah, I did. <laughs> You're like, like wow. nana's and situation. And like, nana was like, opened up the Bible to like a bookmark that talks about being gay with my name on it. <gasps> I flipped my shit at her. Wow. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to ask the pastor. Do you want me to do that? And I was like, yes. And so she asked her pastor, and he's like, call this number. I don't know what it is, but I heard this is what you do. And then, like, I went to this gay conversion therapy for, like, Whoa. eight weeks. Eight weeks? So yeah. is it like a, First thing, is it like a sleepaway camp? Like, no. Do you go there? There's all different kinds. Okay. okay. But this was just, like, me and a therapist. Whoa. He was, like, a gay conversion therapist. And okay. He was, you know, he was like, so um, <laughs> tell me about yourself. You know, like, really, like, like – <laughs> Full, he was gay like, himself. Chicago fan. Huh? He was gay himself. Uh, uh, he sounded gay, and then like he was like talking to me, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, so um, you know, if you're gonna fill out the test, it's the first day, like that kind of thing." And then so I filled out this test, and it was like a ruse. Like every the questions were like, "Have you stole anything over five hundred dollars? You know, yes or no? Like, have you um, ever had suicidal thoughts?" Um, do you think a dick is pretty? Like it was like you know, like, like every like every sliding third question, they were literally sliding it in. Like it was it was a gay question, like every third or fifth question, and I started to like be like, so I filled it out brutally, honestly, which wasn't like normal for me. But I was like, we're here for help, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so did you think dicks were pretty at yeah, that point? I still don't think dicks are. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ass man. That was what was maybe confusing. Oh, that's probably right. what it is. Yeah. Okay. But um, maybe that was what, like the, where the confusion lies. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. You're always because so I was man. like dreaming about like you know going it's down. It's got to be confusing for you now because it's like I feel like the whole world has just become an ass world. Yes. Men, women, like <laughs> I've seen a couple of Lululemons at the Grove that I'm like, yeah. woohoo, you know, exactly. like, yeah. yeah, sure. It's so do you hard still, out there. That, that's a good question. Like, do you? find yourself attracted to women sexually at all um i'm not against it totally like a hundo percent i just i i just just haven't met the right girl no Ugh. (laughs) i mean no i'm just like literally like not interested yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's not like repulsive it's just like no yeah it's a scale right or it's a spectrum like I feel like you for the right girl, I might do it too. Like if J Lo oh, came I'm up, I'm learning if, that right now. If J Lo came up to me, and was like, "Hey, I left a Rod, let's do this." I'd be like, "Okay, J Lo, like why not?" You yeah. know, or Blake Lively. I, I'd say yeah, those nah, two are I on my do list. It for J Lo, no, I don't know. I just wouldn't. Well, have you seen her in person? Yeah, I think she's stunning. I mm-hmm. mean, please, like, there's no question. Like, so you wouldn't do it? I don't even think there's a famous girl that I could like really like. Like, mm, I would. It would have to be like a situation, not like a person. Mm-hmm. Right. It would have to be like you're locked on this island and there's only a lady. <laughs> well, it's always hot. And they'll put honey on it, and you can lick it off. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know like what the situation would have to be. The situation for me is always like if they're really into you it's hot like i can i can be a little gayer if uh i could see that if a gr- if a chick was like i want yes freaking because that's hot if it's any person if they're yeah. like i want you now i could see that maybe but i've had girls be like that 
Mm-hmm. Like I have fans that are like, oh my god, like I know I'm you're gay, sure. but, like I don't give a shit. Like you're like this and you're like that, and I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so what has been <laughs> declined your... DM? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fans, what has been your craziest fan experience? Oh lord! Like I, did you like just exponentially recently... increase in fandom after Mean Girls, or was yeah. it before? No, I've had levels, and that was definitely a huge level for yeah. me. Like that was like a game changer. I'm always I'm recognizable. Sure. Like I had this a conversation with Gabby Sidibay, who's a friend of mine. I was like, if you put us in the silhouette and you're like, who this actor? Like and just get like <laughs> yeah. one fact. You could just you're just like, one it's, yeah, other. it's like it's you. You know what I mean? Like you could totally tell me it's me. You can see it's me. Like there's only a few people it could be. You know, he's six mm-hmm. four. 300 and something pounds. He wants his pink shirt back. He wants his pink shirt back. Who is it? The, they would just stumble with the last name, but they would get it, you know? Um, so, and also, I'm like, that. at 6'4", like, when I'm in the club, I'm like, you saw how tall you said something. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I was not People expecting that. People don't expect that. it, but in a club, like, everybody's head is, at, is underneath my chin. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not a where's Danny in the club. It's like, there he is yeah. on the yeah. other side of the room. Well, I mean, it makes sense now that you were a bouncer at a club. Right. In New York. What club now, do you, were you? Do you, were you spend a lot at? of time at the club? Danny's mm, clubbing? No. No? <laughs> no. Did you ever club? Were you, were I you did, the yeah. Guy? Oh, God. I used to club like frigging seven nights a week. Okay. When you were filming Mean Girls, uh-huh. this was right before the height of all the Lindsay Lohan drama, right, right before she went a little wild. So were y'all getting wild on your days off of shooting? Were you Lindsay maybe Lohan was like I was like 26 when I did Mean Girls, and okay. Lindsay Lohan was 16. So I was like not having it. Okay. Like I was like, I thought at times she might be a little bratty, if anything. Like, But I never liked. Like a just, child. You like a child. Her. She was, did Parent Trap, and she did like Isn't Freaky Friday. Isn't that so wild? They were supposed to play students in the same grade, and yeah. here he is 10 years older well, than her. I mean, so Hollywood. Yeah, he yes. just looks young. Like, I mean, yes. you know Hollywood. There's yeah. like 30-year-olds that are on Well, they fought it for a long life. time with yeah. that movie. They didn't want to hire me because they thought really? I was too old. Yeah, like I went through Rigmarole, like forget it. You made that, that movie. Thank like you. The, That I movie would no, not. No, seriously. I've seen Mean Girls probably like, I don't even want to oh, say because it's, so it's embarrassing yeah. how many times I've seen it. Um, and I know like all like the punchlines and stuff. And I love Tina Fey, which is why I watched it. But I can't imagine Damien being anyone else but you. I and I'm sure that. people have well, told you Gray this, Henson's right? playing him on Broadway right now, and he's doing a great job. <laughs> okay, so, but it's not going to be Mean Girls without you. I agree. Well, I don't know. It's still really did great. Did you audition for that role? Did they offer it? No, but I did say that I would be in the musical. I played like Coach Carr or something, and I immediately got like a letter back saying like, Tina loves you, but they don't want anyone from the movie in the musical. And I was like, great. Okay. That's crazy. It was oh, a it was an age thing of why you couldn't play No, yourself, I wanted to play or? a teacher. But like still, uh, when you see it, Everybody's like twelve. It's you know it's yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, away if, if from the musical came out when I was twenty six, like Grace twenty six. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I would have probably have like done you know gotten that part. Like I yeah. feel like that was my part. But like you know we move on. So you have no story. Like you didn't want to hang out with Lindsay because she was really a brat. We did. You, I mean, but okay. she like was already kind of like famous well the kind of fame that Lindsay has you have to pursue that fame yeah like that's not a fame that's necessarily given to you very few people are given that level of fame you have to search for that fame and that's something i've never really been interested in mm-hmm. so like before i think Lindsay lohan was known to everyone because i didn't know who she was yet mm-hmm. she had like 
security with her at clubs, you know, things like that. Right, right. And maybe maybe the studio did it because she was 16 at a club. Like, but still, she Trying was kind of like noticed. not letting people come up and say hi to her. And I, I never been like that. Like, yeah. I've always been friendly, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was always like, what? Like, now I get it a little more. Now, like, I if I go to Disney World, I would take like a security guard with me, like, or something. Like, you would. Yeah, and I have because especially when I have my nieces with me and things like that because. It gets out of hand, you know. You there could be like a stampede of just young girls all of a sudden, like, oh my god. There could be. It's there's any number of things that could happen. You know, someone could like run up and hug me while I'm hold, like I have my niece's hand, and then my niece could fall off of, uh, you know, anything, you know. Yeah. Like just there's things where people don't people don't act right. Mm-hmm. So know? what's been the the scariest experience that you've had? I had um, someone former from high school who like used to like stalk me in high school like st- her mom then when i became famous like got even more like it was some like pipe dream that i was going to date her daughter i don't know what the hell but like what? especially when i was like, closeted i came out in 2014 by the way so like yeah. you know what i mean like people from yeah. my went to high school with and stuff some of them most of them knew but like some people didn't you know mm. and um i remember being at like C- cvs and walking in while the mom walked out and then like s- picking up prescriptions for my mom or something and then seeing the lady in the drive-thru like come through again and like like, like to, and then like wait outside in a minivan you know she like, wanted you to this date is, her is daughter this, is this back home yeah and this is fort lauderdale yeah yeah, yeah. and then oh, like also okay. like um you know people ask me for autograph at urinals or making, like, <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like when well, my hands are free maybe you know or oh, just acting weird or like screaming worst. in a really quiet place or you know people People say, is it weird for you? Does it bother you to have fans come up to you? And I say, if the person's weird, if the person's annoying, it's weird and annoying. Yeah. Like, generally, though, I really feel like my fans are artistic, cool, awesome people, a lot of LGBT people, a lot of Italian moms, like, a lot of, like, you know, yeah. like, cool people that I could totally vibe with when I see them and they know but how to But anytime behave. you have any group of people, there's going to be a few that spoil it, and that is yeah. just life. I just did the so. craziest thing. I just met, like, the youngest like I ever did so uh, the shooting that happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was in my hometown and the middle school next door where a lot of the kids ran for shelter and all this other stuff uh, is Westglades Middle School and my friend Cassie who I went to high school with is like a teacher at Westglades and so through this horrible tragedy we reconnected Mm -hmm. and I started talking to her more and more and texting her and then pretty soon I started talking to her students and then pretty soon her students were like oh FaceTime me and they literally (laughs) asked like the wrong time they were like like when I was on a plane or like you know on the like on the bowl like yeah like, like wanted Aww. to FaceTime me and it just like didn't work out or I'd like be, I'd look like shit for whatever reason and I was like I just this is not the moment you know you're like I'm stoned or I'm stoned yeah exactly <laughs> so um, I, I went home for my niece's birthday and I called Cassie and I was like why don't you say that this is the time bring them to the auditorium say you're gonna FaceTime me and I'll just pop out on stage and do like a whole like oh that's so sweet. I surprised them and it was like outrageous and all these kids roasted me about this movie I was in called Food Fight, which was like on Reddit. <laughs> it's like one of the worst cartoons. They were just like, so again, about Food Fight. I thought it was going to be like about Mean Girls, but they were roasting me about this like animated, it's horrible animated movie that I made. Oh, dude, kids <laughs> are so clever with the roasting. I, I was like, how do like you even don't... know about this movie? Like, they must have been like two. They're so good with the Googling and the roasting, yeah. and it's just, it's nuts. How old is your niece? Does she ever roast you? She's six. She's funny, man. She's hysterical. I lo- She doesn't really roast me. Um, Has she yet. seen Mean Girls? Does she get it? Yeah, yet? she does get it. She She's just thinks everybody to. has like a famous uncle. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She doesn't really get that it's like just, mm-hmm. she's like, your uncle isn't on TV? Like, she doesn't like, <laughs> really, right, right. like fully get it yet, That's you know? Cute. She'll get it. And then she'll think she's so cool. Oh, yeah. She already does. <laughs> she's going to be a performer herself. She's already like, you know, doing piano and like dancing. And like, mm-hmm. you know, my brother and sister in law really like cu- cultivating her 
So d- this entertainment gene runs in your family? <gasps> Do you know what she did that was so funny? Like talking about little what? kids. What? They have like this little book and it's like little silhouettes of women and like you draw dresses on them. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I really want to show you something. So I was like, okay. And she talks like a little baby adult. You know how they are. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I really want to show you something. And I'm like, okay. So she goes and gets the book. And I start looking through it, and I started just like giving it like I was, if I was a RuPaul's Drag Race judge, like yeah. I was like, yes, the audacity of these <laughs> like orange heels with this purple dress, and like really like get, get, giving her like. And I started noticing that her designs were like really good. Like I was like, what's this? She's like, she's like a ten inch heel. I'm like, oh my Whoa. god! I was like, yes, little queen. Oh, like wow. And then so I took all of her designs, and then I drew lines on each garment, and then got descriptions from her. And, she was like, I'm like, is this see-through or can you? No, it's see-through. Oh, it's chiffon. Okay. Yeah. And then like wrote out like what her design. She's all wow. about it. So cute. So I'm going to see her next month. And I, j- I got her those same books. I bought her all those books. Like, so That's she's really- adorable. Do you think you'll have kids one day? Yeah, totally. I, I'm going to be a dad at some point. You know I what I mean? I be a good dad. I think I'll be a good dad too. I'm like all about kids. I mean, yeah. I, I really, I, at least I know the mistakes my parents made. <laughs> you think your clock is ticking? Like, are you looking for? Yeah, I feel like. Um, it's not. I feel like there is no time. Like, what's yeah. time? I mean, I, I'm 40 and I'm in the basement of the comedy store. <laughs> so you like are I, not. Doing like <laughs> you're not 40. I am. Stop it. Um, I just turned 40. We don't say wow. any ages on no, this I podcast. No, I know. Maybe I shouldn't. So happy know. birthday. Um, we're going to cut that out. Uh, Please cut it out. I don't even <laughs> cut it out of my life. No, but did you always do stand up before Mean Girls I, and before? Okay, so I knew everybody's set when I from like t- when I was 12 to 16. I knew everyone's set. Like all those shows, like stand up, stand up, comics only, mm-hmm. evening at the improv, like all that shit. I knew everybody's. Were you set. watching yeah. like Comic View and Def Jam and all that Everything. stuff? Everything. I knew okay. everybody's name and set as if it mm-hmm. was like baseball stats. Like yeah. I knew everybody's shit. And then, um, you know, I went to musical theater for a little bit and this and that. But I used to do stand up when I was little. Um, I'd go to, I'd make my brother and sister join me, and before the commercials and the movie, before the trailers and before everything at the movie theater, mm-hmm. like when you'd have a captive audience, I'd be like, "This is the audience," and I'd come up and be like, "Hello, everybody," <laughs> and I would essentially like host a show with my brother and sister. That is wild, and, and they would let and you do it. No, who's no one? It wasn't like the arc light. There was no one right. there to stop me. Like, <laughs> it was like seven was people like, there. Yeah. There was like whoever was in the audience, and people loved it because there's nothing going on. Yeah, it was like kind of before also. Like it was before late, the preview. Yeah, late '80s, oh, okay. early '90s, before they started doing commercials in the theater. I remember the first yeah. time I saw like a Coca-Cola commercial, and I'm like, what? Yeah. It was, and the, and the trailers used to be like four trailers. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, before that, it was like dead air, and maybe like just like a design. And I would go up and like do my, whatever. My sister was in dance class; she'd do her moves. I'd make my brother do crazy oh, stuff. Cute. So you guys had a little variety show going. So on. So I did that, and That's then sweet. I always um. You know, I hosted and emceed everything in high school. I was like the chairman of student motivation. I won most spirited. I was like hosting the pep rallies, and so I was always hosting. The so you are Damien. Yeah, Loki. That was you. Yeah, in like, high school. yeah, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> and then like I um I pursued it when I went to New York. I started I started doing like anything on a mic, storytelling, uh, beat poetry, um, singing. You know, anything That's I so could. Cool. Karaoke, Do you remember any? So any of the open micers at that time? Do you remember? Do, did oh, any of them make that, it? Like make it? Yeah. You know, not necessarily then because God knows who they were. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. but when I got to L.A., I really I tried it again, and I remember like Ben Glebe and like. Um, also has been on the podcast. Uh, who else? Um, 
uh, oh, I don't know, just so many people who I've seen, like, you know, like Ben and I did a movie together and he sort of like, was like, if you want to do this, like, I'll show you how. And he took me to like the improv and I would go to the improv every week. Mm -hmm. Chelsea Handler was another one who wasn't famous yet, you know, and um, doing that kind of stuff. But I always felt inauthentic. Like, I didn't want to be like, I met this girl last week (laughs) and I was like super closeted. Like, I just really, you know, I had a boyfriend, but I'd be like, this is my roommate. Even then you were. I didn't come out until 2014 officially, like in the media. I always, people would ask if I was gay and I would say no until Prop 8. And then I was kind of say, yeah in person but then never on paper i would never address right. it i was never in out magazine i was never like a part of the community so I, what I was didn't it go to WeHo. yeah what, what do you think that was about what was the what happened in 2014 that you were like you know what okay i want the well, entire world to know i kind of felt more comfortable with myself and it was like the 10th anniversary of mean girls and like everything we were doing was like getting front page news like everything mm-hmm. if we farted it was like in the times of <laughs> india like <laughs> it was just like so dumb you know uh-huh. and so i knew that it would definitely blow up like i was like and my message would be amplified mm-hmm. and i was kind of annoyed by the fact that i was doing all of these um like auditions i was not allowed to audition for straight guys a lot of the time like i had a lot of gay casting directors especially holding me back because they knew the tea or whatever you know what i'm saying it like bothered me because they knew what the tea like the truth they knew yeah, like what was up truth. you know they knew yeah. like what was up about oh. they could like they'd be like no i got something better for you and then call me in for a gay role and i'd be like oh like you know yeah and um but before mean girls i only auditioned and played straight guys mostly like i was always playing like a goomba or like a bully or like it so was weird you, do you think mean girls typecasted you a hundred percent like but it also made me so like yeah. whatever yeah. who cares right so it was like this weird ter- turmoil inside of me but then I got a letter and I got like an in- influx of, fa- I always got fan mail, but I got like real crazy fan mail. Like in the 10th anniversary, people like get reminded of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, uh, I don't know if you're gay or not and it doesn't really matter. And I was like, no, it does. Cause we're dealing with like prop eight marriage equality, like acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, uh, but when I was in eighth grade, I was beat up for being chubby and I was beat up for being a sissy. And then mean girls came out and ninth grade came around and my first week at school, the popular senior girls were like, you're like Damien, come sit with us. And they made me popular for all four years oh, of my school because of how they embraced me when I walked in. And, I, and he's like, I know you did that. Wow. Like, and thank you. And I just started crying. I was like, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. Like, I realized the impact that Damien had had that, like, d- no one had seen a guy of size who was gay, like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. being accepted. And, yeah. not, you know, I was, yeah. I, and I, I, I know even in Hollywood, I was always getting, like, either the bully or the wimp. It was never just somebody that was, like, f- fine to just be himself. Like, right. Damien yeah. never got shoved in a locker, you know, like, yeah. he was just able to, like, do his own thing and not be bothered. I and mean, it, Damien had a lot of power. People were scared yeah. of him. Mm-hmm. People liked him. Like, well, that meant a lot yeah. to a lot of kids like me and a lot of lesbians and a lot of other people who were just different and fringe and didn't see themselves reflected in cinema. And, you know, at that time, I didn't work for many years because all the other gay roles that I was being offered were all these stereotypical things. He wears mm-hmm. a feather boa, yeah. has eyeliner and says, yeah, I'm like, whatever. It's like, yeah, not yeah. necessarily who, what I, you know, I had pushed the envelope with this character and it made a big difference. I couldn't go backwards. Mm-hmm. So I just, I mean, I... I did I spit on your grave where I play like this crazy like southern rapist and I you know like a Louisiana backwoods rapist like and then like I did like um you know even on party down I play like a football player I tried mm-hmm. to take like things where I couldn't like I wasn't showing that I was gay you know right and then now I was just like screw it I don't care I was really didn't give a shit about anything in my life I was like having like a breakdown turning into a breakthrough Mm -hmm. where I just was like, I fired my agent, my manager, my publicist, my like everybody. Like I was like, you're gone. And I went to Detroit and started working on a documentary and I was like, I don't want to deal with anything. And then my current manager was like, 
like a fan of mine and he looked me up and saw that my I just put my phone number on IMDb Pro. Whoa. I really I was just like Ball. I don't Were you care. scared that like TMZ would just call you up? Maybe, but like if nobody was calling me up. TMZ. You never I mean, know. They, you never What would I do? They Hang are. up. Like I was like yeah, nobody called me, you know, and I put my number there and I and then I got an offer for a musical that was like going to Broadway and I got to do the workshop and then he called me and he's like um so uh you don't have a manager? And I'm like, no, he's like, I want to rep you. And he just was awesome. And he's still my manager. And Gary Ostall at Advanced Management. And he was just like totally. Shout out to Gary. Shout out to Gary. <laughs> and he was just like, he just really like became like a friend. And he's like, I like whatever you want to do, I want to do it. I was like, I want to do a band. He was like supporting my band for a while, you know? And then it was like, but really what I should have been doing is comedy. And then it was like, I came out and then I was like, now I'm going to do it. Like now I'm going to do stand up. But I was so scared. I was like, how do I get involved? So I started going to open mics. And like creeping, like mm-hmm. in the back, you know, and just going. Mm, That's what you gotta up. do. Yeah. So this was just four years ago, then. Yeah. So I've been doing okay. comedy aggressively for four years. I've mm-hmm. done it in other aspects. I've done tons of storytelling, mm-hmm. which is just comedy with less punchlines. Yeah, right? yeah. I did the moth, and like I, I, I found an outlet there, and I started yeah. doing. I was always meant to be doing this. I was like doing. So I would say like mm-hmm. more like eight years if you count my storytelling years, yeah. which were which I still tell some of the same stories. And in honestly, comedy. your mm-hmm. MC skills, all of that, it helps. Yeah, sure. I, I'm seeing constantly yeah. now. I host so many comedy shows. It's yeah. like and it's the same thing I was doing my whole life. Mm-hmm. But then um, I like hit the ground running. I was in Toronto and I was doing a show there, and I was like, I'm. What am I gonna do? I'm. I, they were using me once every two weeks for one day. Like, Ugh. and so I like, I'm like, I'm gonna go to Second City. I've wanted to do that since I'm 12. When was I gonna be in Toronto for that long, you know? Yeah. I had nine more months there, and I was like, I'm gonna do it. And I took stand up. I took stand up at Second City, Toronto, and then it just like, my first day in my first class, my first minute, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> the guy, the guy, the guy, uh, he, the teacher was like, it's called a routine because you routinely do it. Like, you have to do the same jokes. I'm like, wait, you do the same jokes? Like, I don't know what I thought. Yeah, but I just yeah. thought, like, I didn't understand, like, the lore of it all. Like, A lot I, of people think that. Yeah. yeah. You're just talking on the spot. Yeah. And when I realized that I wrote jokes and, like, then I started writing, learning how to write jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, they taught me how to write jokes. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I was, like, screaming. Wasn't I was it, like, like, a great revelation? Oh, my God. And I did two to three open mics a day for the longest. Mm-hmm. Then when I came to L.A., I was afraid to go up. And I had all these friends, like, Fortune Feimster and... Justin Martindale and like Ben Glebe and mm-hmm. like all these people who are already successful in doing it and everything else but I couldn't ask them for favors yet I couldn't even tell them I was doing it I was like mm-hmm. I've got to do this on my own for like a year quietly you know and I literally did two open, two to three open mics a day for months but how do you do it quietly because everybody knows everybody well they're knows not at the open mics though I wasn't but quietly at the open mics don't they know who you are they did and I yeah. met a lot of friends there and okay. I have a lot of great friends that awesome. are that are all coming up now I have people mm-hmm. that I already know should come up and now I have my own show and I put them on it like mm-hmm. you know I thought like I just I did it a little backwards but I'm mm-hmm. not the, I'm not a person that's afraid of that you know right. in right. 2011 I was like I'm taking UCB1 and everyone's like are you kidding like <laughs> you know like why would you take 101 and I'm like I don't care like I don't w- why wouldn't I I love like, that. I want to take class. I'm still. Did you do it? I haven't. T- yeah, I did. I did UCB up to level three, and I haven't done Groundlings yet. And I'm going to take basic Groundlings probably in a year. I don't yeah. care. Like I just, I don't care what any other people think. I'm here to learn. I'm here to like grow, and I'm here to like be funny and and entertain people. That's Th- amazing. That's 
So, because a lot of people don't. Like, once they hit, like, success in one field, they feel like it could just transfer over. Like, I'm literally not even embarrassed about where I am or what I'm doing or whatever. I don't even play that much at the comedy store. But I'm sitting out front like the other young comics, and Mm -hmm. I'm out front. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's how I met you guys. And I don't even give a shit. Like, I'll do whatever it takes to have to do whatever I have to do all the time, every day. You're doing all the right And I think that's why, like, I make sacrifices. Sacrifice is doing something people won't do. So later on, you could do something people can't do. Mm -hmm. And then when people are like, how do you get to host a show? They'll be like, it's because he's Damien that he gets to host a show at the comedy store. And I'll be like, no, bullshit. I'm busting my freaking ass. And I don't even care care what they say yeah the real people know it like the real people will see mm-hmm. the real people who were there the whole time will be like i remember like mm-hmm. and i don't really need them either but like mm-hmm. i but I, I just all i need to know is that i have gigs i had three gigs tonight i got you know I had four, oh snap like, you were like, headlining yeah just before this. yeah I had two headlining gigs back to back like and i don't even care like i just keep going you know and now i'm on tour i did naca which again like not a lot of other comics will do yeah i was just like i don't even care now for care. for the non-comics that listen to this tell us what naca is NACA is the National Association of Campus Activities. And basically, like, the National Endowment for the Arts give money to schools to organize to book events. Yeah. Well, all kinds so of events. Awesome. It's not just comedians. Like, it's all, that's what's weird about it. It's all mm-hmm. kinds of events that the students can attend for free. That's what it is. Okay. But it's musicians. It's like a band coming. It's like a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. It's like a Build-A-Bear workshop. Like, they yeah. get, like, emoji pillows. All sorts the, of entertainers and stuff. All yeah. kinds of weird shit, yeah. right? And you're competing against that. Like, literally, my competition is, like, an emoji pillow. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, for the gig, you know? But I went out there. I was like, I did a, te- you know, I do a ten minute clean set, and then they all come and meet you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just basically did a meet and greet and like started booking colleges. And then That's so did you so do because awesome. they have regional NACAs and then they have like national. So yeah. are you like I did NACA f- approved for I did everything? Four out of the six NACAs. Okay. You have to get approved for each one, and they're yeah. expensive. And they are. So the ones are. that I didn't get into, I'm gonna do this year, you know, and keep the. T- if but only then I could write clean. But then I went and <laughs> <laughs> then I went and. Um, Call, got you know I ended up getting a, my booking agent is the owner of Flappers Barb Holiday and she and she and she um you know and I like went to all the different colleges that I'm doing and then mm-hmm. found the local clubs and then mm-hmm. when I'm in the colleges I either get booked or I do a five minute drop in and like get booked the next time I'm in town and like mm-hmm. so now I'm like a headline you know headlining Funny Bones and headlining Heliums and like that's you know, headlining so improv that's amazing yeah and so um, now I have like this whole little tour building you know and I'm building an hour and yeah. I, I literally I and mean, you already have your following so yeah. that helps you in whatever city you go to right and they want to see right? you know and it's awesome it's like I mean, it's just really great. I couldn't believe this was here for me. I used to be like, man, my, my fame beat my my finances for a long time, where I was like more famous than I was wealthy, you know? Right, like, right. And that was like a problem, you know? Because I'd be like, everybody just assumes. Everyone that. just assumes I'm like, I don't have gas in my car, and then somebody like I'm putting five dollar gas in my car, and someone's like, can I have your autograph? Like, you know? Yeah. And you're just like, this is the worst. It's yeah. the worst. So you were know? you like low key like driving an Uber or like what were you trying to do to get by? I have luckily been an a- just an actor. I did a social media company for a long time where okay. I would like run uh, social media accounts, bless you. And then I would do things like that. But I literally, after Mean Girls at one point, had a, such a low point that I was like, fuck it, I don't care. And I applied as a security guard at Target. Like, and I didn't get the job. 
Yeah, but because you're too famous. I know, but I was like, I have the gate. I already, I oh, have security goodness. background. Is yeah. that what, what they you told do? you? You were too famous. They didn't say anything, but I'm like, how do I not get the job? Like, I mean, yeah. I just didn't understand. That's got to be the roughest point is when you're like too famous to get a real job. Oh shit, yeah. You know, but not. That's famous like a real thing, it. by the way. I'm sure there's and tons. People drop out all the time of the business because yeah. part of the business is longevity, and people drop out because they don't have the support system from a parent or a partner. Yeah. Or like whatever. You have you, to. Like it's just like whatever it is. You know, and then they have to have like some other gig. You know, bartending's great for that. Mm-hmm. Like we're famous bartenders and waiters and everything else. <laughs> yeah. I've done all that shit. You know, because you can still kind of like work something out. A bouncer was awesome for that because I'd have control of who came in and out of the club, and I could like network and things like that. But I've right. also worked movie theaters, blockbuster, like anything that had to do with acting. I like found a way to like be near it and be around yeah. it. You know, it's like the people that work at the store. Like, and I totally respect that so much. I like mm-hmm. you need to like be on your hustle. Be ingrained you know? in it. And now it's different. Now, like, like honestly, I feel like, like in a lot of ways, comedy is my side hustle mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm not gonna fucking take a movie that I think is stupid anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no, screw you, keep your movie. I'm gonna just keep doing my sets like in fucking Albany at the Funny Bone. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like I'm like I, this is a beautiful thing that I have. I'm in total control. I love having a microphone and being able to say whatever I want to say, and like set, writing my own narrative and like writing my own future and like letting people like laugh mm-hmm. you know are you still auditioning as much as comedy or are you kind of more yeah of a comic but i but now? i'm like if i see something i don't like i'm like Burr. and yeah. i'm trying to do more comedy like now way more that's yeah. really like where my heart is at i'm kind of had like He's that break down breakthrough it's awesome. well it's not i've always been doing well, you've it always had it but i've always been doing stand-up and i've always yeah. been doing sketch i mean in improv and all this other stuff i've always been you've a always been an entertainer yeah, yeah. I, my first couple of movies were dramas though and it was an accident that that happened mm-hmm. i just you know but I've always been an entertainer. You're right. I've only booked dramas. Yeah. I've only done dramatic roles so far. I need to get some comedies in there. Like I'm this year, really good at playing the psycho ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, we know, Z. We know. <laughs> Hollywood just doesn't like my type of person. I've got to fight through every kind of door that what there is. What is your you type created of person? Your type. I have several types, but like, I feel like everybody would like want a large that. person, like or like whatever. I mean, I just on SWAT, I just played like a guy who kills people because they're too pretty. And hates that he's not pretty. Like it's like, <laughs> I was like, you sh- do you want me to come in, uh, back, go back out the room and come in ugly? <laughs> like I was like, yeah, How that, do this that for doesn't you? work for you. They gave you me like pretty. Steve Bannon skin and like, oh my gosh. it was like, all right, whatever you want, you know. What is the the craziest, most uncomfortable role you've had to play? Um, I. I definitely think it was weird to do I Spit in Your Grave. That shit was weird to play a rapist. Like, we were like, I mean, Sarah Butler, who plays the girl in that movie, you know, on the pit, the ride from the airport to the hotel was like, you guys, mm-hmm. just so you know, I'm going all out. Like, let's do this. Like, And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man. Like, we were like, film some of those scenes, which were like insane, like mm-hmm. insane rape scenes. Yeah, like, but like, did you have then, to do research? Like, what kind of dark place did you have to go to? Nah, I mean, everybody's yeah. got it in them, a weird thing, you know? Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. you, my whole thing is like, I want to scare the shit out of the people that watch this because that's what they want to see, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And the greatest part about that movie is the darker and gross you go, the more you deserve to die because she, she turns it around and it's a rape revenge. Like, she kills everyone. Uh-huh. So I was kind of like, um, the worse we go, the better the payoff is at the end of the movie. And, I mean, we would, like, sit and smoke a joint in a jacuzzi after filming and be like, what the fuck are we making? <laughs> <laughs> and we're, like, sharing, like, an extended stay suite with, like, you know, these other ladies that are, like, there for, like, some conference. And they're like, how y'all doing? And we're like, don't talk to us today, Belinda. <laughs> you like, don't yeah. know what we just did. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you have no idea what we did today. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Uh, um, so that was hard, but if but I, it was actually rewarding because it was complex emotions. Like you don't, right. as an actor, you don't really get to play a lot of that stuff. And I was playing things and going places inside of me that I never really went. And it so was you feel like it what's, stretched what's you. What's the goal? Would you want to win an Oscar someday? Yeah, I would love to. You absolutely. want to? <laughs> like anybody's gonna be like, nah, I'm I good. Mean, no, but, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm not like, oh, an award. I just need an award. I just want to be able to like make movies. Like I want to make six mm-hmm. movies a year. Like, and you need, like, something like an Oscar nom to get that kind of a momentum, you know? Like, I would love to do that. I would love to make... Or to write or create your own thing. Do you have... Yeah, I pitch all the time. I write things. You I do pitch, pitch Yeah, all the, all the time, yeah. I mean, I've sold things that have not really gone too further and, like, things like that. But, like, I've... You know, and I write for magazines. I, I you know, like you just sold something and then they bought the script. But right, they they'll option it. the script and then never make and it right. or whatever. It sits on the shelf. Yeah. Us. Which, but you, by the but way, that money doesn't sit yeah, on the shelf. Yeah, I'm like fine. I'm like fine. <laughs> like I don't really care. And are you at the uh, the level now? I'm sorry. I just it's fine. Like, do people still have you audition, or is it yes. more of an offer only? There's situation? no offer only thing anymore, unless you're like you know Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like okay. not like unless you reach a certain level. That used to be the case, like in the '90s and the '80s. They don't do that shit anymore. Like, I mean, I just have to keep. And I hate auditioning. I'm a horrible <laughs> Such auditioner. A bad auditioner. If you give me an offer for something, I slay it. Yeah. It's ridiculous yeah. because mm-hmm. part of me it, it still has that insecurity in him that I just need to know that people really want me to do the job and mm-hmm. like and when they when i know that they want me mm-hmm. then i'm like now moshan baby you know what i That's mean but right. like but when it's like i have to work for it and work for it and work for it i still feel like i'm working for it when i'm working mm. um so i i do less and less auditions nowadays i don't really i if i have to do one project or two projects a year that i like I'm fine with that instead mm-hmm. of me trying to chase that six i'd rather go around and tour yeah, I'm having the bl- uh, the blast of my life checking out our country, going all over the place. I just booked a stand up gig in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, cool. yeah. Awesome. And next year we're gonna plan like London and Australia. And I'm just like, this is so great that this is like happening right yeah. now. Like I'm gonna go with this. Like this feels better to me than you know. Maybe, go with the momentum. Yeah. At the momentum yeah. is yeah, comedy do right that. now. Don't fight it. I'm and not fighting it. I'm putting yeah. everything I have into it actually. Yeah. And I don't really, you know. Um, uh, I, I love it. I hope it's there for me, you know, forever. Um, I just like that. And the audiences are crazy. The students are nuts, especially at the colleges. Like, the it's really amazing that I'll have a whole bunch of people turn out. But do you out. still have to do clean once you get to the college? No, not really. I mean, I don't, but I still do. I'm, okay. like, not, like, it's just who I am. I'm not, like, I, my, my dirtiest jokes are just silly. You know what I mean? Right, I don't talk right. political. Yeah. Because it's, like, I don't know. I just don't. I mean, I'm also, ver- the colleges don't want you to talk political either. Well, they right? don't really mind. It just depends. Personally, right. I, I'm i an ambassador for the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. I work with the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. I go to Congress, and I, I, I like we, we uh, go on Capitol Hill, and like we go in, in Canvas Capitol Hill and talk to our congressmen about the rights of people HIV wow. and AIDS because I played an HIV-positive character on Looking, mm-hmm. like on HBO. So I become like really impassioned by this cause so i do my part politically so i don't philanthropist a philanthropist is someone who donates money and i'm more of an activist he's an activist you're right, right. Yeah. so you've been labeled as an lgbtq activist sure do, do you do you like that label yeah like, i how embrace do you feel it that? i embrace yeah. it i don't necessarily have all the answers i'm not the smartest person I'm smart, but I'm not like the smartest person. I would rather take somebody else's like message mm-hmm. and I have a louder voice than them and uh-huh. I can amplify the voices of people who may not be being heard that need to be heard. And that I'm proud amazing. to do that. Like and so I do my part in that way. I don't need to get up and do political jokes per se if I know that I'm going to Capitol right. Hill and I'm getting it out there, you know. So what it's like, has been your experience 
going on Capitol Hill and actually meeting with these people that can make change in our government. First of all, I didn't realize how open Washington was for everybody. Like, it's insane. Like, you could walk up to your local congressman and there's a book right outside their office and you could, like, make an appointment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or you can call in and, like, make an appointment and go speak with them or their constituent. Like, well, you're a constituent, really? but you can go speak with their, like, their aides and stuff who will sit with you and take tons of detailed, incredible notes about the problem that you have and make sure that it gets to their ear if it's something that needs to. Wow. You know, and I just didn't realize how open Washington was for people to be able to do that kind of stuff. And I've seen tangible differences made. I've seen us talk to, like, certain congressmen about a a comprehensive sexual education bill and then come back two, three years later and see that that came to fruition and see things that we've been able to, like, accomplish together, you know? And erase antiquated laws and, like, other things that I've been, like, lobbying for. See, this is a positive piece of government that no one ever talks about anymore. I just, I mean... you've been seeing change. I honestly, actually, and this is, like, whatever, I'll get some shit for this potentially for even saying this, but I don't even come for Trump because I would want to sit down with him and fucking talk to him. Like, I feel like... I, if I if, if if I'm publicly out like lambasting him whatever which is totally by the way <laughs> fine you know and like probably deserving like but I don't do that because I still want to have the audience like mm-hmm. I'm trying to get to our congressman it's like why wouldn't I want like when people are like oh I ret- refuse a White House invitation it's like you're not there supporting you could be there influencing right. like there's other reasons to be there you know mm-hmm. our, our world relies a lot on pomp and circumstance and just like you know like shaking hands and kissing babies mm-hmm. like so it's like why dismiss that I don't know um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't know if I can get to him if I was able to talk to him or if I was invited to speak but I worked on the Bernie Sanders campaign I mean he could be a huge Mean Girls fan you never you know never he know. probably is <laughs> There were so many beautiful women and Damien on there. Of course he's a fan. <laughs> of course. He's like, I like that pink pink shirt joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you said you you were you worked on the Bernie Sanders yeah, campaign. Yeah, I worked on the Bernie Sanders campaign. I used to talk, speak before him at his rallies and like, you know, um, really like worked with, uh, met with him with a bunch of other HIV activists trying mm-hmm. to talk about the kind of information. And I've seen how things get twisted. I saw... I see firsthand how like the media twist things, how mm. like how uh, people say one thing and do another. Like I've seen all this kind of stuff, and um, so I'm I'm a little like disenchanted with Hollywood, with not Hollywood, with, with Washington. Politics, yeah. But Hollywood and Washington are so connected. Similar. They're so they influence each of other. Cor- yeah, of course. You know that's why Kim Kardashian's like they're like trying to pardon like the stoner lady. Like right. it's kind of like. I feel like um, I could probably the Coke lady, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah. I don't know the drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like um, I think that we as jesters and people like that can influence, you know, Washington in a really big way. That's so cool that you consider yourself the court jester. Like you're the court, you're a jester. Sure, I make them laugh in there yeah. when I'm talking to them. I'm like saying things to them. I'm like, you know, like I'll be making. If I'm talking about comprehensive sexual education, I'll be like. Cause you know abstinence ain't working, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll make the, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, come on, look at me, look at me, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you know, whatever. Like, but isn't that crazy? Like, that's what our society has become, where the jesters, the comedians, have a voice that people listen to. They always have. By yeah. the way, that's been around since like whatever the Renaissance. Like, yeah, since jesters were jesters. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we are. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that tell the truth, and then like, you know, how many jesters have probably been killed for a joke. Like, if you think mm-hmm. about it and, like, the history of, like, like I mean, we tell the, like, it is. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there are great political comedians that do that, like, already great. And I don't need to, like, take their spot, you know? Right. I'm the guy that you go to in this instance to, like, kind of forget about it. And I sneak in a couple of other things. Like, mm-hmm. I sneak in some, like, so- uh, comprehensive sexual education or queer rights or whatever. I have my own little things that I can sneak into my comedy mm-hmm. that without it being too political, you know? Right. And, and like, it's very real for you. Yeah, but meanwhile, it, right? I'm just mostly talking about, like, 
being afraid of Pompeii or (laughs) (laughs) just like silly shit, you know, animal STDs. So I think we have to wrap up soon, but it is um, June. It's Pride Month. And being that you're a big advocate for everyone. Hopefully we can get this out. We will. We will. We we will get it out when it's still June. Um, What message do you have for Pride Month? Um, I guess the message I have for Pride Month is if somebody is feeling unproud, which I felt for many years, to just realize it's like a backpack full of bricks and you finally are authentic and real and just true to yourself. And it really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You know, I have a quote that got kind of famous on the Internet for a little bit that said, like, it took me 20 something years to learn how to love myself. I don't have the kind of time to convince somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like you don't really you don't like it's just like you do you and you'll find your tribe. And my advice for other people who aren't queer is just to sort of like understand. I mean, we're we're still learning about what it means to for gender neutrality and like what all of this means. And like it's so confusing for gay and straight people. And it's like we just need to realize, you know, um, for the gay community to understand the trans journey is so hard. And it's like, well, you you have to realize what it was like for you, and then imagine how hard it would be mm-hmm. if you were like in the wrong body. Like like just opening your mind and whatever's next, whatever the next thing that unfolds is, just trying to be understanding. Mm-hmm. We could just be understanding of each other. You know, maybe we can find some kind of common ground that'll unify everybody. What a great message. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Danny. Thanks for having me. Yay. Yay. You can let him. Follow me on WhatsApp. Yeah.